Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 261 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, and joined by a special guest tonight. He is Joe Patrick at Patrick 200 Joe, welcome to the show. Welcome back, of course. How we doing? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm doing good, guys. Thank you for having me back on. Uh, we were just kind of joking before the show got started. I lucked out coming on this week instead of last week when uh, it potentially was in the works because uh, we have a lot better things to talk about after a win, right? It's like, it's the same with podcasting. Like they say, like the coaches will say, like, you know, it's better to fix the things after a win than a loss. It's also much better to just podcast and talk about the things that need fixing uh, after a win. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I will, it's much more fun just in general after a win the coverage is it, it just even if it's like like you know like the post game show we still had a lot of negative things to say because of sure. the turnovers because of the nature of it but it just felt better because like well they still won you know so it, it's fine it, it right. ends up being right. it ends up working out so definitely agree with you there happy to have you back welcome in and of course we have with us my co-host Adnan Ikic at say which way returning to the show this week Adnan how are you doing tonight I'm doing well you know coming off a big win coming off a I, the scoreline won't indicate it, but it was a dominant win actually against a, you know, a good team that's been very good so far this year. Unexpectedly, like the Buccaneers have been very frisky uh, at this point. I think is a is a very fair uh, term to use, and and I'm definitely definitely happy to have Joe on the show. I think Joe, now that you've been on the show twice, we can call you friend of the show joe patrick oh man officially crested honor i've ranked up i've leveled up i've leveled up on the show (laughs) yeah you know i think the first time is pinch hitter and then now you're like friend of the show (laughs) after the second time so um so you you and daniel flick this this offseason this season have have got risen up the depth chart here on on falcon live but appreciate the training uh, camp crew right yeah exactly with daniel and you guys yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so guys we got lots to get to tonight obviously We'll get Joe's take on his thoughts on how the team's performed so far heading into week eight. We will cover, of course, the topic du jour, which is, of course, the trade deadline, which is on Tuesday. Uh, Talk about some moves we'd like to see the Falcons make. Talk about if we think that there will be any moves, that sort of thing. Uh, It's nice. It's actually a discussion and not like a fire sale like we've had in years past or just like there's just not anybody that the Falcons could trade because the roster was so bad. So, uh Lot, lots more to talk about there, and then of course the the topic of the of the week is you know should the Falcons be NFC South favorites the rest of the way? They're currently in first place. They got the head to head win over what was the team that was believed to be their biggest rival in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Saints aren't looking so hot either. So and and the Panthers haven't won a game. So I think we could probably it's probably safe to count them out. I mean, never say never, but it's probably safe to count the Panthers out of this one. Uh, but you know. It, it's it's an interesting question still, just because I think some folks have are still kind of loath to uh, to get on the Falcons train, and and there's legitimate reasons for that. I, I'll agree. Yeah, yeah uh, sure. But uh, but we'll get into that before we dive in. Want to get quick word in about our sponsor tonight, BetOnline.ag, folks. The last of the major pro sports leagues kick off this weekend. That would be the NBA, of course. And BetOnline is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. I believe Adnan is actively watching the Hawks. Uh, I mean, so, you didn't have to let the viewers know Yeah, that, it, but, you know, yeah. I'm just saying, is, you know, you can't can't give the Falcons your undivided attention anymore. You know, this is a house divided. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I know Adnan's a big Hawks fan. I know we got a lot of Hawks fans in the chat, and I know uh, a lot of folks enjoy the NBA. I, I, I'll i dabble. Like, when the Hawks become, like, a, a contender, I'll probably start watching just because I'm a bandwagoner. But I don't watch the NBA, in, you know, regularly. So, uh, you know, I probably... Kevin over here. Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be the bandwagoner. But, uh, guys, with the MLB postseason, NFL, and college football in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for all your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything in the NBA, NFL, and college football at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. So head to the website today, betonline.ag, or hit that mobile app. And don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, well, before we dive into all those topics, I did want to give a shout out real quick to LaKeo London. Uh, who did get the mm-hmm. call up to the 53-man roster 
permanently and it actually signed a two-year deal with the team uh which we talked about on the post game as being a possibility considering that you know he recovered a fumble he had a couple run stops on about 30 snaps and was just has generally been a very good uh addition to the rotation over the past two weeks that he's actually uh been a, a practice squad elevation and he finally gets Rewarded with that roster spot, uh, taking Eli Anku's place on the roster, who was signed a couple weeks ago, only really had one game before they were kind of like, okay, let's see what we got elsewhere. But it, it's been kind of like a Thunderdome situation for that like rotational spot. We've seen like Albert Huggins get a lot of work in the first couple weeks. Then we saw Timmy Horn. It seems like he fell out of favor. Then we had uh, Eli Anku come in. Then we had, you know, obviously like Kale London come in. And it seems like like London has won that battle, uh, so I want to give him his props. But uh, Joe, what what have you seen from Lakeel London so far? Are you you a fan of him making the roster? I'm a huge fan. I I thought he had a good training camp. Frankly, I'm, yeah, I yeah. thought he was in contention to make the team just coming out of camp. Uh, I thought he was really good. Um, but I think what sticks out to me today is is talked to Chris Lindstrom in the locker room today, and he talked about how a player like Lakeel London is just kind of the example that the organization wants to have of a, of a guy who's, you know, never say die, like, like never gives up on his, on his, on his dream, obviously was, you know, came through a, uh, the XFL, you know, has kind of gone through every tier of football you can um, before earning his opportunity here and then making the most of it. So um, I think that he really, it's like a lot of it is what he represents to, um, to the other players in that locker room and helping it kind of establish, you know, you throw, you, you hear the word culture get thrown out a lot. Um, but it's players like this that can really help establish that inside the locker room um, with what they've been through in their experience. So I think it's great. But then, you know, on top of all that, it is, it does come down. You have to perform on the field. And I just think that he definitely has done that. He's been an impact player and it's always um, a really good sign for a player. When you get the uh, Arthur Smith um, voluntarily, like calling you out by name when you weren't at, when you weren't asked about necessarily. Uh, Cause I was asking him about the defensive rotation, the defensive line rotations that they made in that game. Cause LaCale London played 44% of snaps and Grady Jarrett played like 58% or something. So that's not a huge discrepancy. And, you know, he, he gave him a shout out, said he played really well. And um, yeah, that turned into a nice uh, little contract for him. So uh, congratulations to him. And I think he'll be a positive contributor. Yeah. Yeah. They've been really looking for that guy to sort of be the, the, the nose tackle rotation guy. You know, they tried a bunch of guys out there. I think we all sort of thought it would be Timmy Horn's job, but he seemed to he didn't make the roster, which was which was surprising to me. Then they seemed to sort of be shuffling uh, and eventually ending on London, who I think they finally found it. Like they found the guy I think who can be a, a contributor there, and I think it's it's wise, you know, it, it to to keep shuffling, keep looking, and don't be sort of complacent with your roster. That's something that they've done pretty much every year under Fontenot, uh, and it's yeah. it was especially vital when they had absolutely no money. So all they could really do was just kind of you know scrounge the waiver wire scrounge the 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 free agency market looking for diamonds in the rough and to their credit they found a couple of those guys in london hopefully will be the next one there uh adnan what do, what do you think about london i know you you were a fan of his game on sunday as well no absolutely and i mean like london if you do go by pff grades like london was the fourth best defensive player on on the on the team uh he was the third best run defender on the team this is one of those sort of dream scenarios for someone it, it, it's it's exactly maybe my favorite part of covering the nfl is seeing uh situations like this where a guy really has an opportunity to seize the moment and you know you see it a lot more in training camp uh and you know we saw it in training camp last year with another one of those dudes that you mentioned who was um not who, who came to the falcons by unorthodox means and d alford think he was in, in the CFL and now you have LaCale London from from the XFL and yeah LaCale London we saw him getting some first team reps uh, in the rotation during training camp uh, he he looked good he was initially beat out by Albert Huggins who you know admittedly Albert Huggins was one of my guys but sort of fell off in in the regular season but yeah this was just another a next man up type scenario and London came in. Grady Jarrett had fewer snaps. I think maybe he may have been dealing with with an injury from what we heard. Um, but L- London pretty much took full full advantage of his opportunity and 
Now he's been rewarded with a two-year contract. This is living the dream. Like this is what being an NFL player, like being an NFL player, it's not Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. You know, there's only mm-hmm. one of those. Like yeah. this is what it means, you know, to get to the NFL. And, you know, I'm I'm thrilled for looking at London personally that he now has this opportunity to really pursue this dream and you know this is one of those the tide has turned in his favor and you know he's he's bona fide on an NFL roster for the next couple of years and if he continues showing out he's he's going to be a player in, in this league for for a bit longer than that as well yeah no, I I think it's it's a great sign for him that it's a two year deal as well. It's, it seems like they want to make sure that they have team control over him if he continues playing like this. I'm sure there's not exactly a lot of guarantees tied to it or anything, but um, it does give the team the flexibility to to have him basically ready for next year. Uh, and and they need it. Like I mean, you know, I was doing some some digging yesterday while our 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 uh, platform. Like if you guys were trying to get to Fal- the Falcoholic uh, yesterday. You probably noticed uh, on Monday that on Tuesday that the site was down for like hours and hours. So I was like, well, I got I, I got Falcons on the mind. I got to do something. So I just started looking up the free agent class and things like that. But, um, you know, there, there's some good some good players out there. But one spot where the Falcons, you know, the, the defensive line depth, sort of like the, the final defensive line in the last couple guys on the roster is definitely one spot where they might be looking uh, and to have a guy like London be one of those players is, is big, particularly when you don't know. You know, is Clay's Campbell wanting to play another year? That sort of thing. So it, it gives you one more guy that you can depend on in that rotation. And um certainly excited for him. Obviously, it's a big career uh, achievement for him uh, to finally be on a 53-man roster. It doesn't seem like he's heading anywhere in the near future. So good for him. Um, But yeah, let's, before we, we dive into trade deadline talk, I know there's a bunch of questions already about that. And obviously it's exciting. It's exciting time. The Falcons could be players at the trade deadline also, which is makes it even more spicy. Uh, but Joe, I want to get your take sort of on, on what you think about the Falcons four and three heading into week eight. Uh, they, they did just beat the bucks where I, I've been running SB nations, uh, fan survey program. It's called reacts and 75% of fans picked the bucks last week. Uh, so hmm. definitely an upset. Uh, and I, hmm. I wouldn't blame them. I mean, the Ritter never yep. won on the road, the bucks to that point, you know, they had, they had slipped up a little bit, but ultimately they have been playing pretty solid football. Uh, and the Falcons go in there and, and basically thoroughly outplay them. The scoreboard doesn't exactly show it, but the stat sheet does. And, uh, Ritter has a good game kind of, uh, it can't make it easy, obviously, but kind of has a good game. Um, so your thoughts, uh, sort of on, on where we are at this point. Um, I'm going to be the more optimistic uh, or represent the more optimistic uh, Falcons fan here um, just because that's my opinion of this team right now and even of my opinion of Ritter in particular, um, which was not the case three weeks ago. Um, three Coming off that Jacksonville game, I was actually very concerned about Desmond Ritter's ability to be an NFL quarterback and therefore the Falcons chances this year. And I thought that at that point, I thought he could have not been the quarterback for this Bucks game. I thought that if you had had those two home games against the Texans and commanders go as poorly for him as they frankly had the, for the large majority of the first four weeks, like even in the wins, I didn't think he was very good outside of, you know, some bits of, you know, a drive here that fourth quarter against Green Bay. But on the whole, I thought it was rough. And I thought that he was not anticipating his receivers like coming open down the field, which is a big problem for this offense um, in particular under Arthur Smith. And so I was just actually very down on him at that point. And so the only reason I want to mention that is because I am feeling quite optimistic about him now um, that we have seen him really address those areas specifically in his game. And I know obviously the turnovers have been there and that's what everybody's, you know, upset with and concerned about right now. But I just have to think that, you know, these specifically the kinds of turnovers that we saw in that Bucks game um, is just a noisy signal. It's a noisy signal uh, that is not as indicative of like long-term success as is him throwing a dot to Kyle Pitts on that play that sets them up for the game-winning field goal, for example, or even that first play of the game where he hits Kaderil Hodge in a really tight window. Um, so, you know, 
I, I'm very, I'm overall like quite optimistic about this team. They probably should have a better record than they have right now. That commander's loss was a bad one. And certainly, you know, Ritter made his mistakes there as well that, that led to that. But I think they're very fixable errors that he's making. And, um, you know, I, like a lot of people, I wish that he would have gotten a couple more games last year. You know, I think that after that Carolina game would have been the perfect time to get him in there. But, um, you know, overall, I'm I'm excited about what he can do in this system. And I think you're really starting to see in these last couple of weeks, some of the weapons also come out with Drake London getting like nine catches for 125 against uh, the Texas or the commanders. I think it was in that game, Kyle Pitts, obviously making some big catches. So it's, that's what's I think exciting about this Falcons offense right now is you're finally starting to see some of these weapons actually manifest in the way that I think that Arthur Smith would have envisioned. I think it just took him some time. And it was actually interesting. Arthur Smith said something this week about um, to this effect of what I've been saying, and saying that, you know, like we invested a lot and he, when he's talking about investing, I don't even think he's talking about investing like in the personnel per se, but just like investing as a coaching staff this entire offseason about developing the offense in a way that was going to make them less predictable than they were last year. And they were always going to have to evolve from the kind of offense that they were last year. And it's just I think it's taken some time. It's taken some obviously growing pains, but it feels really good that I feel like this team is getting there and, and it just feels good to watch a Falcons team be able to move the ball through the air. Like they have these last few weeks. I think Desmond Ritter's only been outpassed by Patrick Mahomes over the last three weeks combined. So um, I'm generally very optimistic uh, about the Falcons chances going forward. Yeah. I think you bring up a lot of, of great points there because the biggest concern for me after week four, which was like the the, the red alert sort of yeah, part of yeah. the season where I came on the show <laughs> and was like, he can't keep doing this. I think he has two more weeks. Like if he does, if, he, if we see yeah. this two more times, he's probably getting benched going into that Tampa game. Uh, and it, it was like, you know, complete fire and brimstone. Like I think after week three, I tweeted out like, hey guys, like we don't know what Ritter is yet. Let's calm down. Nobody knows what a quarterback is after seven starts. And then, like after week four, I was getting quoted into oblivion. Like, <laughs> right. oh, we, do we do we know after eight starts now? It's like uh, I wasn't feeling so great about that tweet at that point. But again, like now it's like okay, see now you know why I sent it because guess what? Like a few weeks later, things are very different. He's still turning the ball over. It's not the same way. He's finding new and exciting ways to turn the ball over. But, um. <laughs> what you said is very true. Like the, the fumbles are very noisy. It's like that for every player. There's, there's very few players that are genuinely like fumblers, like that just are, have a propensity to fumble. And typically you'll see that over like several years of their career, not just a couple of games. Um, Ritter had no serious fumble problems in college. I really don't think he's going to have fumble problems in the NFL. He's just a rookie making not exactly a rookie, but a rookie in terms of games played. If you guys want to quibble about whether he's technically a second year player or not, he's, he's in his first season in terms of how many games he's played. So whatever you want to call that, I don't really care. Uh, but he's, he's making dumb young player mistakes. And that last fumble going into the end zone is what led to me calling him an effing idiot, you know, yeah. like, and, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I not taking it back. I think he was an effing idiot on that play, but then he I'm, came, I, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he was called an, an effing idiot when they were watching film <laughs> of that play. I was like, come on, what do you think Arthur Smith said on the sideline? Do you think right. he said something yeah. gentler yeah. than that? I don't think so. But, um, you know, and then he came right back out there and led a game-winning drive and had what I would consider one of the throws of the week uh, to Kyle Pitts, where if you haven't gone back and watched that Kyle Pitts throw on the All-22, it's it's insane. Like, it is it is perfect anticipation, perfect placement. And obviously Kyle Pitts makes a great move after the catch to pick up all the extra yardage, but that is a big time throw. That is a top tier NFL throw. Uh, and we didn't see any of that in week four in week three. Like it was disastrous. You know, we, we were in the, I think in one week, the Falcons had 183 yards of offense. It was like, it was a disaster. And now we're coming off three straight weeks of 400 yards and things feel very different, even though the turnovers are causing massive problems it didn't cost them a win on Sunday. It did cost them a win against the Commanders. Again, I think they thoroughly outplayed mm -hmm. the Commanders, and mm -hmm. they just copped it up. You know, that time it was interceptions. It was a little bit more concerning. These these ones, one of them was obviously very concerning, but as infuriating as it was, it's probably the most easily correctable. Uh, and, you know, they're, they, were, they were tweeting out clips of them going through ball security drills today or whatever. You know? so yeah, like, right. They're working on it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I... I, I was just 
Yeah, go I was going to say, TJ Yates is going to have to get out his little thing that he beats Drake London with in yeah. training camp and beat, beat, just, beat yeah, Desmond should, Ritter with it. Yeah. Just out of, like exactly. a shaming they, ritual. Like, they should, like, they should, like, have Ritter carry a ball like the baby in, uh, like, home ec in high school. And you have to take care of the baby. And, like, every, just randomly people will come up to him with, like, batons and try to hit it out of him, like, while they're in meetings and stuff like that. That would, I would enjoy watching that. But, um, yeah, just, just get it cleaned up, you know, and, and, Fortunately, that's a lot easier to clean up than bad throws and a completely broken passing game that was resulting in this team scoring single digits multiple weeks in a row. I think those days are behind us, which is great. Um, now it's all about, can you cut down on the turnovers? Like, can you stop that? Because that's the only thing holding this team back right now uh, for all the things that you mentioned. Like, the running game is good. The offensive line has gotten a lot better since the shaky start to the season. And the defense is, is amazing. The defense is great. Like, I mean, it, yeah, that, <laughs> who would have thought That's it? a whole different conversation. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that, obviously, when we get to more of the NFC South favorite talk. But Adnan, as our resident uh, Desmond Ritter hater, I'm curious to know your <laughs> mental state now that he's put together a couple of, of good passing games in a row. The turnovers, obviously, still, still an issue. So you can you can hang your hat on that if you wish. I mean, I've been giving Desmond Ritter, you know, his credit. <laughs> you have, like the you past have. This is, this is a bit, like, in case anyone doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, he's looked, other than a few really bad plays, and the plays are really fucking bad, he's looked really good. He's looked, since the second half of that Jaguars game in week four, he's looked like a very competent NFL quarterback. And, you know, I think part of the reason for that is, everything else around him is is kind of working a little bit better right now. Like I think it's fair to say that the offensive line is doing a better job the past few weeks than they were early on in the season. Um, you know, the receivers are, are showing up, he's spreading the ball around. And this is one of those things where the, the most frustrating part to me about the turnovers is that that is taking away from the conversation that we should be having about how dominating the Falcons looked on Sunday overall. Because other than those three plays, and they were three fumbles inside the 10-yard line, that's unacceptable. Especially coming off a game where he had three turnovers against uh, against the Commanders. And, you know, I've talked about Drew Dahlman's snaps already. Drew Dahlman has been a really good blocker, but none of it matters if you can't snap the ball as, as a center. And I'm not just talking about that one play uh, from the one against Tampa Bay. I'm talking about all of his snaps, which look low and which, you know, are not on point. But, you know, that's another conversation entirely. If the Falcons don't fumble the ball three times and one of those fumbles where Ritter just slows up was just one of the most infuriating plays I've seen since since the onside kick fiasco against Dallas. Um, the Falcons score 30 points in this game. Like they, they absolutely took it to a very solid Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, and they did it without Bijan Robinson for you know all but one play. And you know that's that in of itself is also another conversation. There's there's so many conversations that can be had here, but the offense looked so good, and you know the defense was just my God, like. Ryan Nielsen, I, I wasn't familiar with your game. Like, Ryan Nielsen <laughs> is moving mountains, man. It, we were all optimistic that the defense would be, you know, maybe middle of the pack, and that that's that's a hell of an improvement from last yeah. year. But they are the number three total defense in the NFL right now. It's the Browns, <laughs> it's the Ravens, and it's the Falcons. Like, this shit, this shit is insane, like, what, what they're doing. And I know people are going to bring up, like, oh, you know, who have they played? Who gives a fuck? They you played the Lions. Play. Yeah, you can yeah. only it's one of the NFL's on best offenses. offenses. Like, yeah. The Texans' offense looked really good coming into that game. Mm -hmm. Like, the Bucks' offense has looked really solid all season. Like, I think that's just a hating-ass, like, point of view of, oh, they haven't played anyone. Like, play who's on your schedule. Like, what, what do you want them to do? But, yeah, like... The Falcons, to answer the question of the title, I think the Falcons absolutely should be the NFC South's favorites because the biggest competition is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You just went into Tampa and you kicked their ass. Like, I know you only won by a last-second field goal. You can like you can ask anyone on the Bucs side and they will tell you that they got their asses kicked in that game. They just got incredibly lucky. It was a hell of a play by Antoine Winfield. 
you know, they got very lucky by Dolman's and Ritter's snap exchange hit, hitting the ground. Like, they got bailed out, and the Falcons still found a way to pull that game out on the road without their best player essentially being neutralized because, you know, of, I think it was migraines. It was uh, a headache, mm-hmm. which is, is not a it, – it, it's not a light thing at all. I completely understand not playing because migraines are a very, like, serious thing. Yeah. But, man, like – this division is up for grabs and I, I'm feeling better about it now than I have at any point this season. And I mean, the other team, but saints, like they also look like shit right now. Like their defense <laughs> is also very good. They're number four, but man, that offense looks really, really rough right now. And Derek Carr does not look like he's worth all that money that they paid him. <laughs> I could have yeah, told like, you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely like, right. Like we, sat here, we sat here last week on Wednesday and we said for all of the shit that we went through against the commanders and that was a very frustrating loss all you have to do is win one game and Tampa Bay you're first in the division you have you know you're up to 2-0 and in division play and everything will look the vibes will be a lot better and right now the vibes are amazing because that that is maybe the most complete game I've seen this team play in a long time. <laughs> yeah. And it, it included three fumbles inside the 10, you know? Yeah. The, right. So the, that tells other, us a lot like, also, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Martin. No, no. That's like, yeah. and that's part of my optimism too. I, I truly feel like with the way that the Falcon season has played out to this point, it's almost like a perfect like scenario of like glass half full or glass half empty. How do you see it? And the way I see it is like, this team has a negative seven turnover differential, I think, so far this year. And they're four and three. Like, and that's because of the defense. Like, the, the defense is keeping them in all these games. And it doesn't seem like the defense is, like, drastically going to get worse anytime soon. So, um, it feels to me like this team is going to have a chance in all these games that they play in, in particular, because <laughs> I think the Falcons might be the, one of, you know, the better team in most of the games that they play for the rest of the season. So, yeah. Not um, a single team that's above 500 for the rest yeah. of the year as yeah. of right now. Yeah. Yeah. And to, and to your point, Adnan, like probably the top competitor for the division in the Bucks. You went there and won on the road. You also beat Carolina at home. So, like, you've played two division opponents in one of both of those. Yeah. The, the, it really feels like they're in a commanding spot. And if they had beaten the commanders, speaking of that, Man. like, take command. You yeah. it, would, it, would, it would feel like <laughs> it's not even a conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, we, we talked Command. about it. Like, back in July, we talked about it. And we, I mean, it's easy to, it's the easiest thing to call. Like the Falcons will have at least one game that just makes you think, how the fuck did we lose yeah. that game? And I mean, yes. hopefully that was yes. it. Hopefully they don't. I have thought it. Part, but... I thought it was going to be the Titans game. So hopefully we we switch the Commanders and Titans uh, at this point because if they lose to the Titans now, that's going to oh, be really yeah, that's going to be, be really loss. infuriating. But loss, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. But um, no, I think what you guys both said is is absolutely correct. Like it, I agree with you. Like it. For a team coming off a three turnover performance, where they they scrape out a last second win, it it's like I don't like. It, you feel like like unlike last year, where you could see that like this team was maxing out, and like they they were, when they would lose, they would lose bad, and they were outclassed by their opponents, yeah. and the passing game was not functional. You could tell that team just did not have the talent to hang with anybody legitimate. Um, and occasionally they would put something together and you'd be like, oh, there's some good coaching here. Like they scraped out some wins. They won seven games with that disaster class of a, of a roster. And this year, it's not the case. You, It's no longer a talent deficit. It's now like, uh, they should be better. Like, and, and we're, we're, and that was, you know, the title of our trench talk on, on Tuesday where Jordan and I broke this down too. It's like, they're, it feels like they're just scratching the surface of what they can be, which is like. If you're four and three and just scratching the surface, that's not a bad place to be at all going into week eight. And I feel like just in sports in general, and I know it's cliche, but I feel like you sort of have to learn how to win a little bit. 100%. Just because, yeah. you know, this team, this roster, you know, Arthur Smith as, as a head coach, you know, you know, they've shown flashes the last couple of years, the players on this roster. Um, but, you know, you've still won. You went seven and 10, two years in a row. You sort of have to, you know, figure out how to put it together and figure out how to, you know, put some inferior teams away and figure out how to really take your punch or take your chance against some some of the better teams. And you know, I I think that just 
comes with experience. We, we see it all over. We saw it with the Jaguars on Thursday night. Uh, the Saints had no business being in that game toward the end. But, you know, it was just sort of the Jaguars shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, a bad play here, a three and out there. And, you know, I think that's something where, you know, both Arthur Smith and, and the roster at hand, like they're, they're going to learn that together. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going to experience that together because this is still a very, a very young coaching staff as well. Like Ryan Nielsen is still a first-time defensive coach. There's only, I think, a couple players. There's only a few players on this roster to, that have really, like, won consistently throughout their career and have experienced those winning seasons. And, you know, that's just something that's going to have to come with time, and you'll have to experience some of those growing pains that come with it. Yeah. And no. yeah, can, go I, ahead, can, I, yeah. can I add, mm-hmm. add on there real quick? Uh, yeah. It's funny because uh, before you started talking there in that response, I, don't know, I was thinking about this Falcons second half defense that they've had this year, which I feel like is like yeah. an even different animal from like what we've yes. talked about with the defense as a whole. It's like it almost feels like in the second half, like you're getting three points, maybe a touchdown if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know how how many points they've given up in the second half this Not year, but they're, yeah. they're they're so good at making the adjustments at halftime. And I think that you know, Ryan Nielsen rightly gets a lot of credit for that. But I think that another major contributor is, is um, Jerry Gray, who has been part of a ton of like, you know, real winners. And he talked about it earlier this season. Like when he was in green Bay, it gets to a point where it's like, we expect to go 13 and three. And if we don't, if we're, if we lose a game, like there's a real kind of like um, internal, like investigation as to like, what went wrong? Like what the hell happened? This is unacceptable to lose. And I feel like you're starting to see just the very beginnings of that kind of um, mentality set in. Now they're clearly like, especially offensively, just not kind of at that discipline level where they're going to have that kind of consistency, I I think. Um, But it's really exciting to see that kind of some of those leadership intangibles and, and, and just general abilities to yeah make those adjustments and 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 pick up on these things to just make yourself a really tough team to play against i think that's what's kind of most exciting for falcons fans right now and it you know and the defense is the best example of it it's just like those guys it's it's i'm so amazed at their professionalism and i think it just shows with the guys that they brought in with jesse bates clays campbell like i think that the effect that those guys bring has just rubbed off on this defense so much. And I think a lot the way a lot of fans see it and maybe the players feel this way too, but it's as is that like um, the defense is carrying the team and the offense like isn't getting the job done and, and the defense deserves a better offense for like the way that they're, they're playing. And, but if you like, but the way the defenders I think truly see it is like, I don't give a, crap what the offense is doing like it's our job to win this game like it's it's on us and that isn't that is awesome to just see that kind of identity of a defense start to emerge uh it's just really fun yeah and i yeah. mean we've never spoken this glowingly of the falcons defense <laughs> I since, since i remember being in my lifetime like, yeah like right like the last time this team has had a you know a defense even comparable to this was what maybe during the mike vick era Right. And I mean, even then, like yeah. it wasn't top because I mean, right now, like you just case in point right now with uh, with this Titans game in years past, I would expect Will Levis from Malik Willis to just absolutely dice us up like because this team has just looked, you know, flat out horrendous against some very young quarterbacks and against some quarterbacks that you have no business of getting, you know, sliced up against. Whereas now it's like, yeah, I'm expecting to go out there and you know, not pick up, but damn near close to it, maybe because yeah. you know, right now I'm thinking poor Will Levis, he has to face this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was saying like I'm very, like I feel bad for Will Levis that he has to face this Falcons defense. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that, yeah. that, that's a tough task right it's... now. The only defense that I feel like would be probably scarier right now to face, maybe the Browns. Like at this moment, the way that you know everyone's playing. Yeah. But yeah, like it's it's very refreshing, and I mean, I did not, I didn't expect this. I did, I didn't expect the jump to be a quantum leap. I expected a jump. I did not expect, you know, top five defense, and maybe they don't finish in the top five. But damn, the fact that they're even there, almost midway through the season, that just speaks volumes. 
they're yeah. they're so tenacious like they don't give up any like they, they never concede a yard like like well second and one good luck getting like getting a th- first down and you you know you might get it you probably will you know the odds are there are with you but like they're not going to concede it you know as opposed to last year where it seemed like okay third and one basically you have no chance yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you're giving up the first down <laughs> Yeah, and they would basically, and, and they were actually to give that defense credit. They were actually still pretty effective at actually limiting the points. They would kind of yes. let teams march down the field on them and and then limit them. But this team is just not giving you anything like from the from the get go. And it, yeah, it's just so fun to watch like corners like getting right up in receivers' faces and just kind mm-hmm. of like bullying them around the field. Like it's just like a different kind of mentality. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's. It's a very different team, you, and it's nice and to there see the swagger, be, too. There yeah. will be a regression. Like, there will be some sort of a regression to the mean with these pressures not turning into sacks. There will be some sort of a regression with this minus seven turnover difference. Like, that's the ex- exciting part. This team isn't playing even close to its potential. Like, a lot of stuff is going against them, and they're still above 500. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you look, there's there's a couple stats you look at when you're trying to figure out if a defense is sort of playing above what you should expect. And, and I'll get to those in a second, but I did want to bring up something you, I, I was curious when you mentioned, you know, the second half defense being so good. Um, so I was looking at basically, you know, what does it look like it in the second half? The Falcons have allowed just five touchdowns in the second half all season. Uh, and in the first half, they typically allow 7.3 adjusted net yards per attempt in the passing game, which is actually kind of bad. Um, in the second half, they allow 4.4 adjusted net yards per attempt, which is actually really good. So hmm. um, it seems like some some teams have been able to get them a little bit in the first half, but they they adjust in the second half, and then you're not going to get much. So like you better you better build a big lead before halftime mm-hmm. because if not, like you're you're going to get whittled down in the second half by this offense. But hopefully, you know, going forward, the Falcons could you know outscore their opponent in the first half, and then you don't have to worry about that. But it's been, it's been like, that's why they've been in almost every game. I mean, I think the one game that you would say they legitimately haven't been in was the Jacksonville game in the second half. But even against the Lions, it was a one-score game for almost that entire game. Uh, and the offense really just needed to put together a single drive, and they couldn't do it. But yeah. Um, yeah. even that game was in contention. So they've definitely been better. But a couple of stats that you look at to see if a defense is, is worse than you might think, you know, maybe a little bit of paper tiger, whatever. One of those would be how many turnovers are you generating? Like if you're generating a ton of turnovers, typically turnovers aren't necessarily like, like correlated with good defense. Like it, it, they're just random. Yes, exactly. They're just random. So like, (laughs) you know, there are some defenses that tend to get more than others. Like the Cowboys are constructed to be this turnover heavy defense, that sort of thing. But on average, they're just not that easy to predict. And, if you get a lot of them, you could regress because that that obviously helps your defense out a lot. And you look at where the Falcons are in that, and the Falcons are 25th in turnovers. They're getting less than one a game. So yeah. the defense is not succeeding because of turnovers. Uh, they're actually being put in the opposite position because the offense is turning the ball over at an insane rate. So they're actually being penalized by turnovers instead of benefiting from them. So they, that would actually lead you to believe that they have a higher potential because they it's likely that they'll generate more turnovers as the season goes on and the offense hopefully won't generate as many. Um, third down defense is another one, right? That's a, a crucial one. And the Falcons are third in third down defense. If you've got a defense like this was the Bucks, uh, coincidentally, that statistically didn't look too bad uh, in terms of points, in terms of yardage, not a bad defense. But the Bucks were 31st in third down defense. Uh, and they're now 32nd in third down defense after playing the Falcons <laughs> this week. Um, they allow 50% of their third downs, but that's a stat that good defenses are good on third down. The Falcons are yep. third. They're a good defense. Um, and the third one is red zone defense. Um, I, this is a spot where we probably should have foreseen some struggles against the Bucks because the Bucks are the number one red zone defense. They allow only a 22% conversion rate in the red zone. That played out. The Falcons only scored one touchdown on five <laughs> attempts. It's almost exactly the stat there. But the Falcons are fifth in red zone defense. So also another sign of a very good defense. So I don't see anything in these stats that suggests that the Falcons are likely to regress. In fact, I think there's a chance they could be better. Um, So just, you know, take that however you may. But again, it plays into the question of should they be NFC South favorites? And defensively speaking, it certainly seems to suggest that 
with the defense being this good, that's definitely something they can hang their hat on week to week as something that is going to, at the very least, keep them in games. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Then, yeah. And then offensively, you know, that's the big issue, right? Can we cut down on the turnovers? But in terms of yardage, they're twelfth in yards now. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah. I was I was talking about this to uh, to Jordan Watkins on Tuesday's show, and the Falcons are twelfth in yards, but they're 29th in scoring. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, I, I think I heard, I think yeah. on the uh, the athletic football show, forget if it was Nate or um Rock or Robert Mays who dropped this, but it, they've lost like sixty points um yeah in EPA uh this year, yep or something like that. Like, yes, it's insane. It's <laughs> because basically because of the turnovers, it's wild. It's it's wild how much this team. And again, that's where it's like that's why I see the glass half full is because like they've underperformed in so many of these areas and yet they're still in position to, to win this division. And now it seems like we are getting the evidence, like the anecdotal evidence that we see in front of our eyes, that things are potentially improving yeah, or they are improving, but you got to just, yeah, nip, nip these mistakes in the bud. Great between the ones last week. <laughs> yes, just that that persnickety last yard. That that's the yeah. big. That just man. That's the one that's causing all the problems. I, I heard Arthur Smith today was talking about like the last mile delivery, like a classic logistics man would, and he's like, it's the most expensive. It's the most expensive uh, mile for these companies to sort out. <laughs> it's true. Yep. These uh, the Falcons' offense has had generated 400 yards in three straight games. Yeah. They had 400 yards in three games over the past two seasons combined. Yes. So again, this is, and like, just to give you context, folks, like there's only, there's only one other team in the top, let's see, uh, 17 that's scoring less than 20 points a game. And it's the new Orleans saints at 17. They're scoring 19 in terms of other teams. The Falcons are actually 13th now after Monday Night Football in terms of yards, but the Falcons are scoring 16.4 points, uh, and the next closest team other than the Saints at 19 is 21.6. So, like, they're drastically lower in scoring than pretty much every other team around them in the rankings, which, again, suggests that this is an offense that's likely to get better, not worse in terms of scoring. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just... And yeah, you look at last week's game, I believe it was 16 expected points lost last week, um, which suggests that you just cash in a couple times in the in the red zone there and you and you blow out the Bucs. And that's not even a game in the fourth quarter, which is weirdly what it felt like. It was like they they really should just be do- like they're do- they're going up and down the field on this team and just completely shutting them down and yet it's 13-13, you know, as time's expiring, um and it's obviously extremely frustrating and has led to some spicy tweets from yours truly, but it, it you know let's let's can, if we could just not do that anymore that would be the key to being the NFC South favorites like they need to come out and whoop somebody and then I yeah. think there won't be any more questions could it be this week Joe could this be the week they come out and whoop somebody I mean the Titans they're going to Will Levis I don't know about that but you know it, we'll see the Titans still have a good defense they are potentially trading pieces there was a report that came out just a few minutes ago that the Ravens are interested in Derrick Henry and they've made a official inquiry on derrick henry so if he's not there obviously that's big it seems like they might be selling even more pieces but is is this a potential could this be the whooping we've been waiting for i mean like you would hope so you would think so based on you know all the stuff that you were just saying there kevin and still it's like for me it's the like, you know there's this Vrabel effect where it's yes. like he's going to have his team coming off a bye with like yeah. everything going against them like this is this is the kind of moment that that Mike Vrabel lives for. Yes, <laughs> he's just like his Super Bowl. It's like he's five yeah. and zero off the bye <laughs> in Tennessee. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And going up against Arthur, you know, there's just like it's like all these storylines make you think that it's going to be a game that's going to be closer and more annoying than we want it to be. I, I have to think like if, as a game prediction, I have to think that the Falcons are going to win again, just based off of like the talent on these teams even and the and frankly the way that they've been playing like the the way the falcons have been playing is good enough to beat a team of the titans caliber but um yeah it's just one of those ones where it's just spooky it's just spooky even right now it's spooky just thinking about you know having to go to again on the road where they haven't won often in the last calendar year or so obviously they did it last week but i mean that was the first time they'd done it since week three of last year it's kind of crazy that this team's last two road wins were last week and then way back in seattle (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, which seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you would think so, though. I mean, like all the all the indicators that you would look at would would generally favor you know favor the Falcons drastically, even especially when you look at the the Titans quarterback situation that they're rolling out. Yeah, that that's probably what gives me the most confidence because like I you guys remember I'm not a fan of Will Levis. I I mean I think him getting taken in the second round was actually like reasonable, but he was getting yeah. like top four hype uh for much of the draft season, which is yeah. ridiculous. And he was really bad in the preseason in his one game that he played. And he's been a game day and active every single week. <laughs> they thought Malik Willis was a better backup, and now they're just throwing it to to Will Levis. So I mean, I, I don't think that is a great setup for Will Levis, personally. <laughs> like, I don't think that's really doing him many favors, particularly if they're going to have a fire sale. Uh, which, again, if they're going to trade people, I know the trade deadline is Tuesday, but they're probably going to try to trade people before Sunday because there's always the chance guys get hurt, particularly starters, and they don't really want that. So, um, you know, we'll see. Derrick Henry is probably the one that I would be watching really closely. I don't think they're going to be moving off, like, you know, Jeffrey Simmons or anything like that, but um, there could be some other small pieces. But um, yeah, Adnan, what do you think? What do you think about this one? You think you think this is a potential whooping, or are you you uh, being a little bit more cautious as well? You know, with with Mike Rabel's five and zero buy, you know, record here. It needs to be. I don't care what his buy record is. He's starting Will Levis. Like <laughs> he's Brian really Tannehill. testing the cosmic energies by going with Will Levis here. If like Ryan this. Tannehill is yeah. healthy and like 100%, then maybe, and I know Tannehill's been poor this year, but he's still a very decent veteran quarterback, and I think he's, at this point, waves better than um, than Levis and Malik Willis are. But, I mean, if you can sort of... I think the Falcons are going to do to them what a lot of teams have done to the Falcons up until this point, and that's just load the box and just force the young quarterback to beat you. Like... I think the defense will go into this game saying we will not lose to Derrick Henry. Like if we are going to lose, Derrick Henry is not going to be the reason for that. And you know what? Load the box, stack it. If Will Levis beats you, you tip your cap, but I don't think he will. I don't think he's good enough to do so. Um, and yeah, I, I think that the defense will, will be very good. And I, I think the Falcons offense, and I mean, remember, the Titans just traded Kevin Bird, Bayard. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of their best players who the Falcons now do not have to face. Uh, he's gone to the Eagles, and that may be an issue somewhere down the line. But, you know, yeah, like the Falcons need to win this game by a couple of scores. They need to win this game, yeah. I mean, Rabel's not going to let that team give up. Like, And and I don't expect them to. Um, they're going to play hard, certainly. But, man, they're just not a very they're just not a very good team um and they, you know <laughs> they're just not like even even with Tannehill they were really struggling and i mean the falcons are are kind of a far cry from a good team too they really have to prove it but um it's this is an opportunity now, for them to to the go the only thing that you know, gives pause yeah. is the buy like yeah. they are coming off a buy and mm-hmm. you know but man i just can't help but just Remember how they looked the last time we saw them a couple of weeks ago in London? Like that team was just like it couldn't move the ball. The only time they could really move the ball was when Derrick Henry had that like huge play out of the wildcat. Yeah. And other than that, it's I don't I I can't I don't I cannot see this being a close game. I, I picked the Titans before the season, but now like a lot of stuff has changed. And yeah. I think the Falcons are like this needs to be this needs to be one of those sort of statement wins a little bit on the road. And yeah. I had some more concerns about the Falcons' run defense earlier in the season, but since Nate Landman's come into this team, it's like they're. I mean, now they're shutting it down. Like I frankly, like I thought they would at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, but he's clearly just run fitting so much better than than Troy Anderson did. Um, even in the uh, first couple weeks, he he or one or two weeks, I guess he got to play this year. So yeah, I mean. I need to root myself in like the physical reality of this world that the Falcons are just <laughs> have have the Titans outmatched here, and there isn't some like magical voodoo that's going to lead them to a win. But I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I can't shake it completely. You Part know, of it's just like it's the NFL, it. and it's yeah. like you just you yes. can't like expect your team to ever go out and like you know just blow out other teams. No, but it, it certainly yeah. does feel like this Falcons team is on the verge of 
something like that based on the way like we've talked about this podcast like how they've moved the ball and just how threatening they look again like i love just like how these weapons look so threatening oh one more thing that that we haven't really talked about on the show uh but i thought was evident in in that tampa game was the way that they were running the ball like i know it wasn't with Bijan, and maybe it's because it wasn't with Bijan, but like Tyler Algier and especially Cordero Patterson, like in that fourth quarter, he was like looking for guys to run over. There was yeah. like, a, it seemed to me like there was a certain attitude in that run game. Like the, the numbers weren't anything special, but it, it, they had a big one called back on a, a Tyler Algier on a ticky tack uh, hold. Um, yeah. But it, to me, it was just like the mentality. It seemed like there was a different kind of mentality. And I do wonder if they may have maybe changed something schematically with the way they were run blocking. Um, it seemed like they were doing less of the, what they've been doing with Bijan, which is like, you know, running that wide zone. And, and they seemed like they were like making more an effort to just kind of pound them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they need to mix it up a little bit because teams were starting to key in on that wide zone, which to be fair, had been very effective for the Falcons to open the year, but they yeah. went through kind of a rough patch over, over a few weeks. And then, um, you know, it wasn't super efficient against the Bucks. Patterson was efficient. So he's finally healthy, I think, which is obviously nice to see, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And the, the Titans aren't an easy team to run the ball against. They're, they're still a good run defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, you just stack up well. Like, you know, the Titans, mm -hmm. they're seventh uh, in yards per carry allowed. They're, they're no slouch stopping the run. But the good news is the Falcons have been throwing the ball very well. <laughs> the Titans <laughs> yeah. are much worse against the pass. They are 29th in net yards per attempt allowed uh, against the pass. So and they just lost Kevin Bayard, their best safety. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, this is another game where this might be, we're going to have to tack them through the air. But I, I also feel like if this, the Falcons are probably getting a, I feel like a defensive score is coming in this one. Um, mm. And I, I feel like the offense might not blow out the, the, the Titans because I think the Titans defense is good, but I think that it could look like a blowout because we get a defensive score added. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy game, or, like going on the road to Tennessee. Now, if they trade like Derrick Henry, it's like, okay, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. I mean, at that point, I think we can start to feel a little more comfortable, but we've seen that Derrick, Derrick Henry can't do it on his own. Like he's, he's still great. He's still very good. Uh, but even with him healthy, like he's just not able to carry this tight victory. Yeah. Yeah, like this isn't 2019, Derek. He's he lost a step. Like it's it's clear to see. Like he is not what he was when he was almost single handedly carrying that Titans offense to the AFC title game yeah. a few years ago. Like you know, Derek Henry is a monster. You know, he's the yeah. king, obviously. But this he shouldn't beat you. Like you should not let him beat you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're 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 gonna focus on him and. I, I assume we're going to see an aggressive game plan against Will Levis, and they're probably going to do a lot of drops and things like that, like uh, disguised coverages and, and pulling out of blitzes and stuff like that to see if they can get Levis to put the ball out there into harm's way. Um, and just short fields. And, and again, like th this Titans team, the secret to beating this Titans team has not changed for years. It's, it's only gotten worse, which is like get a score or two on them. And then they're just, if they can't lean on that run game, it, it gets really ugly for them. And, that's what it was for the Falcons last year, so we're very familiar with how to beat that. But um, you know, we'll see. Uh, it, it's never you're never gonna get easy wins in the NFL. They're gonna have to to work hard for this one. But on paper, that they, they at least have the advantage, and that's not something we've been able to say <laughs> a lot. Uh, but it's certainly feeling like they may start to have an advantage here over the next couple weeks. Um, before we take off, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on some potential trades. I know we had a question from Mad Tom K with the $2 uh, about Danico Autry, if the Titans are selling, and that was one that I've been a fan of. But, uh, Joe, what do you think? Who's, uh, it seems like maybe Daniil Hunter's not likely to happen at this point with the Vikings winning, but who's sort of someone that you're maybe hoping to see the Falcons make a move for as we get closer to the deadline? Yeah, I mean, he was like kind of the one. He was like the the, <laughs> the like you know you the one you dream about, right? Yep, he's the white um, whale. Yeah, maybe other than like a Montez Sweat or something, you know, like all, yeah. all those kinds of guys are like in the same tier of like if that happens, it would be magical. It would it would that would be like a, a move that really feels like you're you're shooting for something. Um, yeah, which maybe the I don't know if the team actually feels that way or not. Uh, and with all these guys, I think it's an interesting situation because if you if 
you listen to what they talk about, like when they're drafting um, or when they talk, when, when Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are in the off season, they're talking about like how they build the roster and how they kind of philosophically think philosophically think about some things. Um, like they don't, they really probably will not give a long contract to a player that they don't like feel like they know, like, um, deep in their core like who they are as a, as a as a person as a player as like you know all these things uh, i think they want to reward use their money to reward players that come through their own program um so for that reason it, it like i do kind of as much as i want to see them go after one of these top edge rushers because to the point that you've made kevin for a long time it's like you're not going to find one of these kinds of guys like in the draft like you're you're, you're not going to be able to like kind of generate that kind of talent um, as easily as you can by just acquiring them via a trade for, for, you know, what they're going to offer you is good value. Like for like a, you know, a pick, what, like whatever, fine. Like you're never, cause you know, they're going to offer you immediate value for that instead of having to develop it. Um, but to say all this, like, I don't really have any strong like trade takes um, because it's an interesting one because of the way that how good this defense is right now already, like they're already performing so well you would think that like if there's a place to add, it would be on offense, but then like on offense, like you have so many young players that you want to develop and like you already have almost like too many weapons in the skill positions. Like, like that's like every fantasy footballers football players complaining about the fact that like none of these guys like get an, the amount of touches that they want. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like have like a player or even like other than edge rusher necessarily like a, a, a massive need, like especially if a, a need that they would use that money that they got in the Jake Matthews restructure to um, spend on. Yeah, they cleared the money so that they could if something came up. I, I'm I'm not sure that they will. And just in case you guys don't remember, like if they don't spend the money, it just rolls over. So, like, they don't have to spend it. They can just keep it, roll it over, whatever they want. Um, But, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I would have been, like, go all in for Daniil Hunter. And, I mean, I'd still kick the tires. I mean, it, it, the Vikings the Vikings are in that, like, 2022 Falcons mindset now where they're like, oh, we can, we can make the playoffs, guys. We can do this. <laughs> right. yeah. You probably can't. And you probably shouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, they're probably going to try because, I mean, I understand. Yeah, we all understand. The Niners. There you yeah, go. They're two so, games back. Yeah. I will say, you know, Ed McCady, I, I thought that he was actually really at fault for that big run that Baker Mayfield had that put he them was. in position. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I like, <laughs> I think they're not that thrilled with what they're getting from him. And um, what, what Joe is saying is, you know, I hope you've enjoyed watching Arnold Ed McCady. <laughs> As I was we, really, it was yeah. funny. Yeah. I was uh there there's a I'm an Ohio State fan if you can't tell by my my the hat that I'm wearing and uh I was wearing this in the locker room with uh you know another um staff member who had his Ohio State gear on because he's an alum and uh we were all waiting for Arnold Evicati to come in because they usually talk a bunch of smack to each other after yeah, Ohio yeah. State and Penn State played this weekend and Arnold Evicati never made an appearance in the locker room <laughs> uh strangely <laughs> enough after you, know, you didn't want to oh, want to take it so yeah not yeah. for me really it would be from the the staffer who was much more willing to uh, talk smack to him i think if i did that it might be uh, bad news for me <laughs> please don't eat me yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes no i understand that yeah no but it's epicady like it's just you can tell it's not the cleanest fit yeah and and it's just tough because i feel like if he was a if he was just a little bit taller because his length is fine he has excellent length actually um he has over 34 inch arms at 6'2 which is pretty nuts he's but he is 6'2 so it's like he just he can't bulk up like some of these guys can to play that hand in the dirt role. He just doesn't have the yeah. frame for it. Um and it, it's yeah. unfortunate, but like he's just kind of uniquely poorly built to to transition to a 4-3 year old. Um and it's just it the timing sucks because Arnold Kennedy is a good player, but he's he's a stand-up outside rusher who's great off the backside of plays, but you know, if he had, and, and it was the same in college. Super Super good as a backside run defender. Super good as a pass rusher. Very polished. But he's he's like a wide tech rusher. Like he's not someone mm -hmm. that you want one on one with a tackle and run support. Like it's just not going to go well for him. Um, and it's just sort of a uniquely bad situation for him to be in. Like they can certainly utilize him, but yeah, I mean, I I I think if they could swap, if they, I, it wouldn't shock me if they do make a move for a Montez Sweat or a Daniel Hunter or something like that. If if he is swapped in that trade, um, to give to give that team like something um mm -hmm. oh yeah particularly yeah. for a team like the vikings that might be going to more of that 
using that outside, you know, linebacker type guy, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't think they're itching to get rid of him necessarily. I still think there's a role for him as a designated pass rusher, but, um, Mm. it's just not what you were hoping for from your second round pick, but, um, and, uh, and, yeah. and like the, like, and he's doing, he's getting at least some run as compared to D'Angelo Malone, who's basically yeah. been relegated to a special teams player, which is just unfortunate. Yeah. Again, these guys are kind of just like victims of, uh, you know, the scheme change and they just don't really have a natural spot to fit in, which you, you, I, you feel terrible for those players. Cause it's not like necessarily their fault. Yeah. Like they were brought in and, into a different structure, but, um, it's just the way that it works. So yeah, I would certainly expect that if, if there were some trade to bring in an edge rusher, I, I agree with you. I think that they would move one of those guys out because you're gonna have to make room on the roster anyway so yeah that's true um and like with D'Angelo Malone I do I do think that there's a chance he can do a Caden Ellis type off ball linebacker conversion Mm. I think he's built a little bit better for that but I don't know with the Bikini we'll see um but yeah Adnan do you have anyone circled on your on your trade deadline wish list I mean sweat Chase Young and Benil Hunter but between you and me, I don't think they'll make any moves. Like yeah, maybe, I... like you know, Autry is yeah. one of those guys where you know he's older, last year of his contract. I don't think they want to spend the draft capital. Really, I think it'll be like last year's move, not the Calvin Ridley, but the other move last year where they just you know, bring in a depth guy for a seventh rounder. And yeah, I I don't think that they're gonna really make any any major headlines at the trade deadline as much as, you know, some people want them to. And I mean, that would be great, but you know, yeah, I just can't see. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, I I think the Daniel Hunter one was the most likely. And since the Vikings won, it's kind of wiped out a lot of the potential there. Um, So, you know, it, they could still make a move, but again, it's like they, they seem to have plenty of, they seem to have plenty of like receiving talent like i mean it's like they don't have a lot of like wide receivers necessarily but they already made a trade for van jefferson and like yeah that didn't happen at the trade deadline but i mean you know it's sort of it's probably that's probably one of their big moves um you know (laughs) i i could definitely see like the Danico autry happening or something similar for like a starting caliber edge defensive lineman guy to try to help the edge pass rush but that's not going to be a super expensive move either. Like, you know, he's 33, you know, he's on the last year of his deal. You're probably sending a a day three pick basically for him. Um, but again, it's like, maybe he's a piece that can help get you over the top, can, can help solve a problem on your defense. And maybe, I mean, and he, maybe he wants to stick around after that. Like you could, you could resign him, get him in the building. Um, and you would think the Titans would be willing to do business with the Falcons given the team's relationship. So, you know, it could be something like that, but, um, yeah, otherwise I agree. It, it's not probably going to be as exciting as it could have been. I know we were all hoping for, uh, to Hunter, but th- I think that dream is dead, unfortunately, but I'll be, I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's not. Um, but we do have a couple of donations here. I'll get to before we wrap up. We got Noah C with the $5. What's up, Noah he says, hope you guys are having a good night. Yeah. Good. So far. Good. So far, Noah. Uh, he says, been hearing lots of rumors about Hunter Renfro. Any thoughts on that potential trade? I, someone's trading for Hunter Renfro. It's not going to be the Falcons. Like, it's just, the Falcons don't use a slot receiver. They just don't. Yeah. Like, they, they're not going to. Um, And they'll they use Kyle Pitts there. They'll use John Smith there. Maybe they'll occasionally use, like, a Van Jefferson type there. But, like, they just don't, they, they're not an 11 personnel team. They don't run three wide receiver sets very often at all. So there's not really a reason to go out and spend big on a pure slot receiver. Now, I think, you know, when we get to the draft and stuff like that, they'll look for a Van Jefferson type who can play both in the slot and outside, but they're just probably not going to be one of these teams that's interested in that type of player just because they, they just don't use a slot receiver. They, they'd rather have Johnny Smith there. And like, I think they're correct about that. Johnny Smith has been great. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. they'd rather have the tight ends uh, than have that, that third receiver out there. So I, I don't think it's going to happen uh, for the Falcons, but I do think someone's going to trade for Hunter Renfro. They should. Um, we got Jason Gaines with the $2. He says, from CBS Sports, a crazy but true stat, including both the regular season and all playoff games, when trailing by five or more points entering the fourth quarter, the 49ers are 0-29 under Kyle Shanahan since he started there in 2017. Pretty damning stat against Shanny. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing most teams 
when trailing by five or more points entering the fourth are like negative in that, but probably not 0 and 29. I mean, the Falcons this year are probably like, you know, have a winning record because <laughs> yeah. they've basically been trailing in every fourth quarter this year. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely an interesting stat there. But yeah, Shanahan, Shanahan has his issues and they're very specific and he keeps having them, but he also does a lot of other things really well. So it's kind of, you just take, <laughs> you take the good with the bad with Shanahan. It seems like, um, we got Michael Scott with the $10. What's up, Michael? He says, Falcons first place in the NFC South and the Phillies lose a heartbreaker in game seven at home. Life is good. Yes. Definitely uh, celebrating. Just with, might be turning race. around. Yes. That, <laughs> that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Thank now we just need the Saints back. to keep losing, you know, and then you, everything is all right. Yeah. Everything's all right with the sports gods. Uh, we just, we'll keep, we'll try to keep those good vibes going. <laughs> also go Hawks. Yeah. Go Hawks. How's that going on? Oh, I am, I am on pins and needles right now. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it's it is that bad? Game. Or it's close? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Freaking out over here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm keeping it together. But Adnan, yeah, you see this? You see this shoe behind me? Mm-hmm. I was from when I was a uh, in the fanatical fan section back. This was back in the mid 2000s, so like oh oh five ish. Oh really? It was Peja Drobniak's shoe signed by Kevin Willis, who was nice. happened to be ha- happened to be on the team. Yeah, that's, so there you that's, go. That's an OG right there. Yeah. It's got its own little pedestal. It looks very, very sophisticated. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we got one more from Noah C with the five dollars. It says, "Kevin, not sure if you were checking the Discord chat, but my dark humor made an appearance again. Also, our defense is so good. I'll have to check and see your dark humor. No, I know it. It's very similar to mine on game day. Uh, so I'll have to go check that out. But yes, the defense is very good, and we can all celebrate that. Um, yeah, guys. Well." Great show. Appreciate everyone for tuning in and joining us tonight. Tonight's show, of course, was brought to you by betonline.ag. Before we sign off, I want to thank our guest, Joe Patrick. He's at JAPatrick200 on Twitter. Joe, anything you'd like to plug before we sign off tonight? Absolutely not. Absolutely nothing, not. Nothing you can at just all. Follow me on Twitter. No yeah, affiliations. Me on nothing. Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Just check just out his Twitter. Me on Twitter. Definitely, yeah. guys. Check that out. Yeah. Nothing more to see <laughs> here. Uh, we got Nani <laughs> Kitch. My co-host here as well. He's at Say Which Way. Uh, not anything you're working on. You like, like to let the people know about. Yep. Series history. What if we win or lose? Both of those are going on Saturday. Absolutely. Check, Check that out too, guys, for sure. We'll be back. I'll be recording with uh, Justin Mello from the Draft Network and Music City Miracles, SP Nation's Titans blog uh, for our game preview coming up. So look for that on Friday morning. And then, of course, we'll have another post-game show coming to you guys on Sunday following what's Hopefully a Falcons win. I'll just take a win. I don't need it to be a blowout. Just a dub is fine. Same. Okay, it's fine. We'll we'll take we take those right. Noah E, do not put the house on the Falcons ever under any circumstances. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care what the situation is. Don't do that. Never never make a bet that large on your team because that's never going to end well. You know you can't you don't bet with your head when you're when you're working on your team. You also never bet your house. Also, that's probably better advice. But you know. I can't stop you from doing that. I can't stop you from placing bets on the Falcons, if maybe. So I'll, I, I would not recommend it personally. Um, but hey, you're gonna do what you're gonna do. So you know, just believe in it, whatever it is. But guys, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Please like, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching the podcast audio uh, or listening to the podcast audio, rather, uh, leave us that five star review on your podcast platform of choice. Check out the community Discord server, the link to which is in the show description. And if you're interested, uh, join us on Patreon. Support the show. Get some exclusive content, ad-free or ad-limited, technically, uh, and early access to all the podcast episodes. They're usually up about a day early, give or take. Uh, so check that out. It's patreon.com slash Live, Folks, thanks again so much for tuning in tonight. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live and Dirty Birds and Brews. Until then, have a great night, folks. <laughs>